The following program may contain content not suitable for all audiences. All right, hanging out with Mikey Mason. Woohoo! AFW. Yes. Hey, Wichita. Man, why'd you come down for this? <laughs> they offered to give me monies. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, and I got a chance to try out a couple of new panels that I've been developing for conventions that I absolutely adore. Uh, one was Saturday Morning Cartoons 101, which is a brief history of the rise and fall of Saturday Morning Cartoons. Rich got a chance to check that out, I think. Yeah? I, I loved it. Was I, it worth it? I, yes, yes. Uh, worth, worth the cost of admission? It was, well, it's, um, <laughs> I, I, I was worried that it would be too dry and academic for people because, you know. No, there was milk. We're there with, <laughs> we're there with the big Cap'n Crunch and milk and bowls right. and spoons. And, you know, part of it, I thought they were just going to expect to be watching cartoons. Right. And so I made sure in the description it said that it's a, a brief history of Saturday, Saturday morning, morning cartoons, cartoons, the rise and fall. So, which is what it was. Uh, I tried to make it entertaining, but also mostly educational because... The interesting story behind this, uh, and there might actually be one, um, <laughs> I was at Fantasy in Raleigh, North Carolina, Durham, in Durham, North Carolina, and I was a music guest of honor, and um, a friend of mine, Madison Matricula Roberts, was also a musical guest, and Saturday morning turns up on the schedule, neither of us had been consulted, asked nothing. It was just Saturday morning cartoons with Mikey and Madison. <laughs> now, it's Friday night, and we're kind of like, what? what? What the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, we're troopers she's amazing and and i'm you know me i'm get stuff done guy and, and so did you ever find out who that was who was actually supposed to be other than you no it was us okay <laughs> it, it wasn't i mean they they just uh they decided that she and i should do a panel of saturday morning cartoons but they just hadn't told us hmm. and to be honest it was a brilliant idea yeah it was great but so I went and said, we, we'll do, we didn't know anything about this. We're not prepared for this, but I'll be prepared tomorrow. I need, I'll be prepared. I need a projector, right. an HDMI projector and, uh, you know, sound system to hook my computer into. And I need sugar cereal and milk and bowls and spoons. <laughs> I love this conversation. <laughs> See it unfolding. And, and that's exactly, I said, if you want me to do this, I'll gladly do this. We'll make it an experience, And uh, but we need cereal and milk and bowls and spoons because we're not having Saturday morning cartoons without cereal. It's just not happening. Proof. So this is the second time I've done a Saturday morning cartoons thing, and both times there's been Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. <laughs> when you say sugar cereal, they it, so the first one had Lucky Charms, and Captain Crunch with crushed berry, okay. crunch berries. This one was just two big bags of Captain Crunch with crushed berries. <laughs> the huge feed your family for three weeks bags. Right. There were two yeah. of them. Garbage yes. bags of Captain Crunch with crunch berries. And they were huge. And I was up there going, you know, there's more cereal left if anybody <laughs> wants another bowl. And one dude had like five bowls. Yeah, he was the guy I was talking to yesterday. Wasn't yeah. He came by the booth. Yeah. So, uh, but I decided that if if we did it again and you know we we it just piqued my curiosity because we were talking about you know i was basically pulling stuff out of my butt about um postulating on why saturday morning cartoons didn't exist anymore and uh i decided i would look into it and then i wrote a panel about it and said but to to understand it you actually it, it really relies on a an understanding of television to some degree and so I have to step back 
to like the 40s. You know, the first Saturday morning cartoon didn't exist, wasn't aired until 1951, but I had to st- step into the, the late 40s to start it. So, uh, you know, and, and there's no time to spend, per se, on any one cartoon. I, the most I spent on any one cartoon was four minutes. I show the very first Saturday morning cartoon that was ever aired. Oh, really? It's four minutes long, and it is uh, technically, the technical term is not good. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but it's part of history, so there you go. There's some uh, more colorful vernacular you can use, yeah, but uh, it's not, <laughs> not good. That's the polite way to put it. It's, it's, not, it's not the worst cartoon I've ever seen. All right. There are parts of it that can barely be called animation. <laughs> I mean, really. well, okay. I mean, we were very, we're very early in the era of yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. That, well, that makes sense. But, 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 no, but no, animation was a, a robust art form at this time. But this but was, was like television like, animation, we're talking, uh, theater stuff. At the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it was all, and we talk about that. Yeah. And so, anyway, I would love to give that panel again. I probably will. And then at Brain Fight uh, is the game show panel that I'm going to do at TsunamiCon, right? Right. I'm going to like that idea. Um, so, because it's a we game, it's all about games, right? You did that in the morning here. Yes. We could set that up when you know, folks are boozing up in the evening if we want to. Yeah, because what makes that show better is if I've been drinking. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> we can do, do it after Drunkards and Dragons if you like. That would be bad. <laughs> that would be bad. That would be bad. The man who knows his limits. That's the trivia thing you do at home. Right? I've seen you yeah, about. well, it's based on there was a game show I developed for uh, Brew Pub, and I ran it for over a year. And it, uh, so I had a year's worth of weekly questions, eight categories, seven questions per category, and then a second round, which was 11 questions, and then a final round, which is one question with, so I had uh, with uh, many correct answers, and they have to get them, try and get them all. And uh, I ran that for over a year. Mm-hmm. So that's eight categories right. a week. Not, well, sorry, eight times seven plus the tiebreaker question. So eight times eight is 64 questions plus 12 because there are 11 questions and a tiebreaker. So now we're at uh, 76 questions. And then one question with usually between uh, 15 and 30 correct answers. You're mathing all over my podcast, man. It's a, I have a lot of questions. <laughs> so do I. Now, <laughs> the, the big issue with it was, because I had a lot of stuff that I could farm and yeah. shift to, to geek stuff, but the big thing is that since it was in a bar, it was in a brew pub, right? Right. I could be as Mikey as I wanted. Right. I know we're on a podcast, but you're okay with me dropping some language, yeah. maybe? Uh, we always fucking do. So. I'm just saying. But so I have categories that are just fucking adult categories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, but the, the thing is that I love to mix the profane and the puerile. I love stuff uh, to have categories that seem like they're about things that are aimed at kids that... Or, or just simple stuff like I had uh, I had one category called Samuel L. Jackson's math and it was fifth grade math questions uh-huh. but you had to answer in the form of Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> wow. what is the motherfucking hypotenuse <laughs> Or whatever, and it's, oh, it's, great. it's so great. And the whole thing was just to make it entertaining. I just wanted to make it entertaining, and and I try and make the questions easy on this. I run pub trivia too, and that's team trivia, and those questions can be hard and obscure, but. 
on this, the thing is, uh, there's a lot of pressure getting up in front of everybody and running it as a uh, as a game show. So answer, it's always easier to come up with an answer in the audience. But when you've got to ring in before everybody else and come up with the correct answer, there's a lot of pressure. So I tend to uh, make them easier questions. They're not super, you know, hard questions. Right. You know, and I like questions... Especially the more people are drinking. <laughs> I, I like questions that have, you know, they're kind of multiple choice, really. I'll, like, uh, here are three things. You tell me which historically came first, you know, or stuff like that. Or one I did today was, uh, I'm going to read a name. You tell me whether it's the name of a, an urban legend, a computer virus, or a character from My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> and that's the kind of things I do. But anyway, so yes, we're going to do that at Tsunami Con. It's going to be fun. That's awesome. And if we do it in the it's evening good. after people are drinking and put up a disclaimer, it'll probably be the naughty version. You know, I don't know how many disclaimers really need <laughs> of that crowd. But. I know, but uh, I just want, if somebody's going to bring their kid into that room, uh, to be aware. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, we've, we've, uh, we've pushed a family-friendly kind of event overall, so. It is. But um, this, this year we're going to be at a new location or at the Median Shrine Center. They have a bar like there in the convention. So this is going to happen in the bar, isn't it? So, yeah, I think that's probably the way to do it. Uh, yeah, and that'll make it, you know, they'll, everybody will feel at home. Yeah, I'm not going to cry about that. Not one bit. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine. Uh, so that'd be cool. We'll do a lot of the stuff in the bar, obviously, that we've been able to do. I've always loved to be able to order a drink while I was working from the stage. Sure. Uh, that's <laughs> the best part about being a stand-up comic, because, you know, you'd sit there and you go, can I get another shot of beam? I used to, I to tell people I never, I never was much of a drinker until I started playing in bands. Then it was half the time, it was the only way you got paid was free beer. Right. Dude, sign me up. When you're a stand-up comic, you order one shot of beam or whatever, one shot of whatever you're going to drink, and then four or five people in the audience are sending you. Yeah. It's like, uh, and I love listening to podcasts, people like that too, like uh, Greg Proops will do his his podcast, and like every every 20 minutes, he's like, could I get another vodka-flavored vodka drink? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody from the audience will bring him. So, uh, so yeah, uh, so you're gonna be at Sonoma Con this year, obviously. Yep. You're gonna bring you out for some of that. And yep, yep. Uh, we'll have you, we'll have you do your usual dog and pony, play some, uh, play some gigs for everybody. <laughs> no, not literally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little Beard will be there. So do, do need to clarify. <laughs> I'm not gonna dog Little Beard's pony if you know oh, what I'm saying. Enough. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Know what I mean? Well, that, that might lose us a couple of attendees. I guess <laughs> we'll manage. Yeah, so we'll have you on schedule for some shows and uh, do the Drunkards and Dragons thing again this year, which has been a hit. We missed it last year. Yeah, that was. Uh, that was I missed it last year. But uh, and then we'll do the the trivia thing and uh, have you run run a game. Yep. On probably on Sunday afternoon, probably yeah. after most everything else. Is yeah. Done. After you're good and tired from the weekend. Rocks <laughs> fall, everyone does. Yeah. Grumpy <laughs> <laughs> cast off. I'll still have a good time. <laughs> right. What do you What do you got going on between now and then? You got some. Oh, I generally don't look a whole lot at my schedule. You You don't promote a lot. So. <laughs> End of September, I'm at the Brown Coat Ball in Las Vegas, which oh, yeah. is a great gig to have. You've been doing that every year? Uh, no, 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 I haven't. And pretty much that's it until Tsunami Con uh, officially on the books. I mean, I'll be doing uh, sometime in September. I did my last online show for Concert Window, so. Um, yeah, they're closing down, aren't they? Yeah, mid September. So I did my See, last yeah, online show. Pretty cool little service. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, they took a, a pretty healthy cut of what I you get, it. but yeah. it, but for the infrastructure they provided, it was fine. Yeah. So I, I'm, I I'm looking at alternatives. There's got to be something out there. Well, there's always Twitch. There's YouTube Live. There are other 
Um, there are other online venues. I've even considered just doing Facebook live shows. Which is great. I mean, the, the tip service on them. Concert window was neat, though. So well, I uh, what I was thinking was I could do the concert. Or I could do concert windows live style things and put a put a link. Oh, there you all go. I got to do is click the link, and it'll take you to a storefront where you can tip me. There you go. And uh, then I'll get an email that says, "Hey, someone so bought this tip." Yeah, because those are fun shows. Yeah. You, do you like doing the live from the house like that? I love it, man. I love it. It's got to be a little bit different because you don't have the audience. Feedback it in your face. took a while to get used to it, um, and you know I'm now at the point where I'm, I'm sitting here looking at your light. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, that you you know you have to you can't look at the screen. You have to look at the camera right. and know where you're looking. So you you I generally had the light of the camera that I would look at the light of the camera and and interact with people. And that that can also challenge you too because you're interacting with people through chats. Yes. So you have to and keep that in mind and look at this. And there's a 15 to 30 second delay. Lag in there as well. <laughs> and, 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 and with Concert Window, the delay just kept getting longer. And at 30 second was a brief delay at the end. And I do a thing where I sing the chat window. <laughs> like people will type stuff in the chat window, and I don't tell people I'm about to do it. I just start playing. Right. I start, and I'm making up the the tune and the and the chords, and I'm singing. I'm sorry, Mikey I have gas. Impro- improvise. I don't. <laughs> my, my little pony gas. I'm sorry. Oh, and uh, <laughs> but uh, but I, I and I just read. I sing whatever they're typing. Once they realize that, and of course it takes them at least thirty seconds to realize that I'm doing it. Right. And then all of a sudden, the most bizarre bizarre shit you can imagine starts coming across right. the screen and people are trying to get me to say embarrassing or sing embarrassing things and, and I'm trying to talk around it and get all the words in and sometimes I end up going really fast because people are typing really fast on blah, 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 or whatever and uh, and it you know and it, by that point in the show I'm generally pretty drunk because uh, well I love the fact too that I mean, you already because of the way you've built yourself your, your relationship to fans yeah you already know a lot of these people. I do. I, I, I'm lucky in having. Um, there are a lot of them are as much friends as fans. I mean, they're supporters. You see them, you like see your them again to... and again, year after year at shows when you go to the same areas or, or the similar interests. Yes, you know? absolutely. You know, I mean, we're we're even to the point now. I mean, when I first talked to you, that was the first time you've been to Wichita for a show. Yep. And I mean, we, now you're coming down here two, three times a year. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. I used to be here one time a year, but they stopped booking me at the, that comedy club because I. Because I started doing conventions here, even though I asked them straight up, is it okay? Really? I said, is it okay? And they and I explained to them that geek audiences are different. Yeah, it's very different. They will drive 800 miles to see a performer they know and love, but they won't go down on a Thursday night right. to your comedy club, not knowing who's going to be there, not knowing what's going to be on. And what I'm doing is not what I'm doing in the comedy clubs. This is geek centric material you know and it's a totally different thing and is it okay and they said yes and then they never booked me again well we talked we just started doing the other shows here yeah. about how it might affect you know and that's one of the things that happened last year is like you're like well you know are we hitting social saturation yeah you know it's like got got new material gonna be coming out you know yeah yeah I, and you're, you're always gonna have hardcore fans that are gonna want it the same people watching on console window you know are gonna be wanting to you know be involved in everything you do and that's fantastic but I think it's fun to watch you because I mean it shows how much love the fans have for you and how much of that you're able to give back because you talk to them like you know them when you see the names rolling across the screen. The first time that I was watching you on Concert Window, and of course, I mean, it makes sense you say something to me when you see me because like, you know, hey man, oh yeah, I can do Sadonka, blah, 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 and we have this thing in common. Yeah. We did. But then you shout out to my wife, 
Yeah. You know my kids' names. I'm just you know, saying, it happens. And, and we don't we haven't spent that much time together. You know, it's like and my wife's in the background and she hears it and then you sing something for her. It's a parlor trick. It's, it's but it's a good but it's a good one, you know what I'm saying? And it shows uh, you don't always get a lot of um, a lot of entertainment. You don't always get that opportunity to kind of build that rapport. And obviously, I mean that that builds sales as far as you know putting the material out, knowing people are going to buy it. But it's only you know it's not something you can rely on at infinitum. I mean, I have realized, and and although I've been studying in the last year, been, it's been it's doing like baseball, a lot. I guess, but. Yeah, I've been doing a lot of more uh, marketing. Yeah, education, educating myself on marketing, and seeing it. what I've seeing ways I could have and and the the thing that I revolt against, the thing that pains me is to use their terms, uh, you have the value ladder, and they're trying to push my customers up the value ladder by developing a fiscal relationship, right. blah blah blah, and I'm like, these are people that I know, yeah, and. I would every single time rather them spend that money on their rent and make sure their bills are paid and watch my stuff and still love my stuff and support me when they can, but they got to take care of their stuff first. And marketing is all completely designed to separate people from their money. And yeah, I got to make a living, so I have to consider that. But the other side of it is there are lots of people who spend way too much money at conventions. I don't know any of those. And, uh, and, <laughs> and, and what concerns me is that some of them spend more money than they can honestly afford, than they should be spending. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's an event. I mean, if it's, you saved for it, I mean, it's your money. You're allowed to spend right. your money. And, and there are people who save up sometimes thousands of dollars to come to a convention. And, and a lot of times if they go to a convention with X much money to spend and they didn't spend that much money, they think of the convention as a failure. And I want them to have a successful convention. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really do. I want this convention to be great for them. But I also don't want them spending money that they should be spending on it, a car payment. It just makes you real hyper aware of it. Yes. Because you've been there. I have, yeah. That. Yeah, and that's what I think makes all the difference to the world. Uh, you know, being in radio over the years, I, I met a lot of entertainers who started from a very different place. Yeah. You know, and so they lived in a really, in a world that they that we could not communicate through. You know, there was a barrier there that we couldn't communicate through in terms of how you live. Yeah. And that had a lot to do with it. These are the same people that throw money around like it's nothing all the time, whether or not they can afford it. Because <laughs> it's just part of their lifestyle at that point. But, you know, I've got friends like... <clears throat> people at the table who, uh, you know, will go to an event like that or come to even my convention. And, you know, one of the things that we focus on, for example, at, at TsunamiCon that we've seen different from a lot of gaming conventions even, mm. is we don't charge anything once you're in the door. We don't micro, you know, we don't, you don't, you don't pay for this, that, and the other once you're in the door. We have a fee to get in the door. Yeah. And we're just trying to make enough to cover our costs because even after six years, we're not trying to make a buck. We're just doing it. You don't have ticketed events once you're in. You don't have, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I mean, the most we have a couple of fundraisers. Um, I realize, I guess I should say, since I'm saying that, that your game is one of the things we charge a couple bucks for a seat at the table. Sure. But, you know, we know that that people that are excited to be part of the con, that are big VIG ticket holders, that get in first anyway, those are going to be the people that are willing to spend a couple bucks. Yep. Not a big deal. But we get so many people that support us with every dollar they can come up with to 
spend. And if I could come up with ways for them to spend more, they would. Right. You know, and I appreciate that because I know it comes from the heart as well as from their own. But it's also kind of scary. It feels like there's a responsibility that comes with that. And you feel like you're, I I don't want to feel like I'm pushing somebody to to impoverish themselves at at my expense. and, And you can't, obviously you can't take responsibility for that. But no. that doesn't stop me from feeling responsible if somebody, you know, is really hell-bent. I can't, you know, I don't know who's ordering uh, my my flash drives online, you know what I mean? Right. And it's a it's a ticket, big ticket item. It's 80 right. bucks, right? Which and is different when you hand them to people at, the, at an event. It is right? very different <laughs> when I'm looking somebody in the eye. So I don't know if they're spending money that they don't have. Right. I don't know if they're spending money they probably shouldn't. Um and I, you don't always know that at a convention either, but once you start getting to know people, you get a better idea. Well, at the know? very least, you get to know how they engage with you and, and your, true. what you're offering. So if they come back every year and they're spending that kind of money each time, you know it's something that they're either planning for or it's not an issue. Right. But yeah. And yeah. that's cool. It just and it, But there's still this kind of weird pressure that's there. And uh, the, the other thing you got to kind of keep in mind, I think, and it's... it's your mileage is going to vary, obviously, but what you offer is unique to you. You know, the I sell me, right? You know, right. the music is—it's part of the package, but it, I sell my personality. That's what they're celebrating: is that that what, your your craft, the relationship they have with you, the rapport. That's what the, that's what's being celebrated when people spend the money, or even when they just come out and hang out. Yeah, but you I know? just need a better funnel and to push them up that uh, value ladder, <laughs> and, uh, and some you door bumpers, and some door bumpers. They add to cart on if, the if way out. If you'd like to do some marketing for us, I'd like to <laughs> my financial team. I just listen to that stuff, and, and in a way, it just turns my stomach. It's so antithetical. I know that we have to learn to market ourselves. Regardless of what we're doing, if we're creating anything in this day and age, uh, because we aren't beholden to gatekeepers, then we are the CEO of our own company. And if you're the CEO of a company and the board of directors ask you what your five-year plan is and you're like, uh, well, you're no longer the CEO of that company. Well, you're if, if you sell something, you're the CEO. Yeah, it's all you. And if you don't have a five-year plan, there's a problem. I mean, yeah, I mean, it depends on how, how much you're wanting out of what you're right. offering. You know, but, really. I mean, if, if it's a business and, you know, I do this for a living. I was going to say, I mean, you're in a position to see that probably more uniquely than a lot yeah. of people because you're relying specifically on what you do and you had to work to get it to the point where it would support you. Right. And, this and is this is the job. And but that's also the dream, right? To be able to do what you love to do. I guess the dream is to be able to afford people to do the other stuff for me so that I don't have to, <laughs> I mean, really, so I don't have to feel dirty about sure. being a salesman. I don't want, I'm not a salesman. So you, what you're saying is you need the marketing team. <laughs> I, need, I need a marketing team need marketing. and I need people that I can bitch at when I think we'll, they're we'll being talk. unethical. You know what I, mean? I need, I mean, it's literally, I want people who, uh, who know all the, the dirty bullshit tricks that I can say, yeah, but not that. You're not doing that. Right. No, it's like I say, you know what? Uh, that's great. Marketing funnel, blah, 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 value ladder, blah, blah, blah. But you're not pressing them to spend more money than they can afford. Don't. And that's tricky, too, because you don't always you don't always know what your options are. Right. You know, especially when you're making it up as you go along. <laughs> when the product is completely you, all I know is me. You know, um, I had never run an event like a gaming convention before I ran the first one. I've mm-hmm. had five years of experience now to teach me how to do it better. Yeah. But mostly, I've and, and I'm now, you know, in that five years, I've done a lot of meeting other people that run conventions and attending other conventions. Sure, I do my market research. Yeah. But if, if I've never encountered an idea and it's not introduced to me somehow, I'm still making it up as I go. Right. 
And I think being aware of that is the most important thing you can do because there's always something out there that people are doing better. Yeah. More efficiently, more effectively, cheaper, <laughs> you know, and uh, the end result being the same. That's what matters. Yeah. The end result here is... As long is as you're not sacrificing quality. Exactly. The end um, result is to, is to provide quality entertainment uh, to the most people that you can in the simplest fashion at the minimum expense. <laughs> And yeah, that's a lot to ask for when you write down to it. I really, I really admire what you're doing. I think it's it's awesome that you've been able to. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, it's it's, it's, uh, uh, it's been fun to be part of it too. You know, getting to watch you do it the last five six years. And, and I was talking yeah. with uh, another vendor, and she was she the one who approached you about yeah, vending. We're talking we were her. talking about um, you know the, my last day at work was. Uh, June 9th, 2009. The last day I worked for somebody else. You Over know, 10 years ago. Collect a, collected a paycheck, yeah. And um, that was a part-time job that I had been held. I had been a full-time stand-up comic before that. I was doing comedy full-time, and that was a part-time job that I had just to make sure that it was the... Right. I'm just holding on. Because there's no guarantees. Because, right. And so my last day was June 9th, 2009. Uh, 2009. But there's this sense of ultimate freedom combined with abject terror when you realize that it's really all on you now and if you can't sell it whatever it is if i can't sell my stand-up comedy if i can't sell my uh music if i can't sell my whatever it is then mortgage isn't paid so so here's the other part the kid doesn't go to the doctor you know yeah here's the other part of that though you got and you got a family yeah yeah you also have that to use because you're an artist yeah, you know, so you're also creating grist for the mill. All that tension, all that, all that frustration, all that stress can be part of what gets you to where you need to be with a product. Sure, and no guarantees, of right? Course. But I, I've I've made every effort I can in life to recognize that and find a way to use it, so you can channel it effectively into something that at least you're... Look, you're, panic you're, is a powerful motivator. Extremely. <laughs> it is a powerful motivator. So, yeah. Um, and also, because I suffer from depression, I've, I've become more open about it. Um, and I've been writing songs about it. I started writing more personal songs the last few out. Well, I started with Detour. I started writing more personal songs. Well, I've been writing them anyway. Well, that's where the albums seem to get more deeper. Yeah, it's a, yeah Detour was... What it, exactly what the title was? It was a detour from my regular right. geek rock comedy stuff, and uh, after that, I just decided that I'm just not going to do all geek rock comedy. Yeah, um, uh, that turned out to be fine, didn't it? I mean, well, say, it turns out that yeah. uh, that that people just want good music yeah. about things they identify with. And they're already it's, connecting with you personally, so sometimes that's that. geeky stuff. But if it's if it's coming from my heart, it's geeky because I'm I'm pretty geeky. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> who is? And I have I you know I I there are people who wear costumes on stage. I'm not averse. I've occasionally worn something silly on stage just for the fun of it. But there are people who like this is my stage gear. This is my stage. You know this my is stage. My identity. Right? My fa- this is my favorite shirt. And this is one of my favorite stage shirts. And it's just a. a it's it's got a role playing game map on it. Yes. <laughs> Cool. And uh, this is a shirt that I wear. This is actually a pretty nice shirt. I'd wear it out, uh, you know, and I wear it on stage. And I love this shirt. And I have long made an effort, especially since I started doing the geeky stuff, to not differentiate. Right. You know, when I was doing stand-up comedy, there was the Mikey Mason they would see on stage. And that was kind of a character that I play, a big amplified part of 
one facet of my personality right. combined with parts of my background that I don't personally identify with anymore, but, you know. Um, it's who you were then, too. I mean, a little bit more of who I was then, yeah. but also that I was willing to be mean, you know, and, and I just don't really care for being that mean anymore. Um, yeah, and that comes with having the wit, because that because cynicism and sarcasm are easy easy to transport. Oh, and they're vicious, people. and they're vicious. Yeah. So, yeah, so I've just, my, my goal has been, um, I, I don't know, yeah, you probably know who I'm talking about if I say Aurelio Voltaire, mm-hmm. the musician. He's a goth musician, and if you look at him, uh, if you saw him perform, you would be tempted to think that he's putting on some sort of uh, pageantry or costumery. Right. But if you've met him, you realize that those are just his clothes. That's how he dresses. So it's authentic. You open his closet, you're not going to find the stuff that you're going to find in my closet. You know? I'm not sure he owns a (laughs) t-shirt. And a very authentic, very genuine guy. And, you know, I played at Con Carolinas where he was the music guest of honor. And at one point in the hall... There was a, a like a, a young girl, maybe maybe eight years old, who wanted to talk with him. So he sat down in the hall. He's in a suit. Mm-hmm. Sat down in the hall and talked with an eight-year-old girl awesome. for like twenty minutes. She's not going to buy a CD, right? You know, but he made every effort to connect on a human level with anybody who wanted to interact with him. He's very kind. He's very polite. I mean, he's got stuff to do. Obviously, I, I don't know him personally. Right. Um, beyond that, but I will tell you that he is very authentic, and I think that. That's why people are drawn to him as a performer. And so, that's a goal. That's and that, that genuine... I, ne- I, I knew early on that I just wanted to be me on stage and be authentic about it. And so while I'm no Voltaire, you know, I am Mikey. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because I, I know what it's like to struggle with that because it can be kind of an identity crisis of sorts. Um, especially if you have interests that aren't... The same things as other people have, or you know, or don't seem like like somebody figures somebody finds out you're into this, they think automatically you're into this and you're into this. Right? Oh no, but I'm not that guy. But I'm not that. But I am that guy. Yeah. You know, um, and and it came like it's like having looking at your social groups on social media, realizing that I have this entire page of people that I know because I'm a musician, and this entire page of people I know because I run a game con. I still very few of them actually cross over. I still (laughs) have comedians young comedians who are getting into comedy and you know they're young and getting into comedy because they've just added comedian to their name on (laughs) social media (laughs) who are basically adding me because we have lots of mutual comedian friends and they look at it as networking and I'm like I'm not in the business anymore I still do stand up comedy occasionally but I really get to pick and choose what I want to do um you know, I, I'm on some dream right there. I'm on right. some drop lists, and I look at it and say, "Yeah, I'm available for that." And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, I'm not. You know, it's been probably three or more years. It's coming up on at least three or four years since I bugged bookers for dates. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Because you know it was a big deal. I would it's September and October. That's when I'd start bugging the big the big mm-hmm. bookers, uh, big booking agencies that I work for for dates and trying to fill in my schedule for the next year. And it's been three or four years since I've done that. That's nice. And it feels that's you know that's I realized yeah. the first time it happened, it was like um, I was just working and I never got around to it. And then I realized that I didn't. And I, I kind of panicked a little bit and I was mm-hmm. like. No, well, there are and, dates on the books. I'm yeah. I'm good. And obviously, like, with <laughs> enough prolific you know opportunities of what you've been doing. I mean, we we talked about the fact that there's sometimes things come up with conflicts, and that's just because 
Oh yeah. There's so many options out there, so many opportunities you want to be able to you know, take advantage of. A big part of it is, uh, and I'm not just saying this because Richard's here, but uh, my Patreon yeah. patrons. Mm-hmm. I mean, they there's a, a level of security that's provided by people who can... Also, a sincere surprise for you, I bet. Oh. started doing Patreon and that takes off? Yeah. Well, oh, and my the, God. <laughs> and the thing is, and, and that's another one where I really, I, I worry if I think somebody's spending too much money. Um, on a month on me. Yeah, that's so... I mean, the, the, the aggregate of that is what matters, though, and you kind of yeah. got to look at it that way. There's there's people that... I, I wish people would kind of be conscious of the fact that they can... It doesn't have to be all or nothing either. Right. You know, I want this thing, and I want it so bad, I'm going to spend $30 a month doing it. Right. When you could... If you can't do that next month, drop it to 10 $5. To $5. Stop doing it for a month or two. Whatever you got to do. Uh, there are there are little perks you that come with yeah. the higher... Yeah, absolutely. Some credit on songs. This song was made possible by my Patreon cool. patrons, yeah. especially blah blah blah. Um, I'm not blah blah blahing you. I'm sorry. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they all um, it's all good. Uh, you know the the, the ten dollars a month. I send you a postcard every. I know month. they don't all listen because my Patreon doesn't make near the money yours. So. <laughs> but like it was just little things. I get ten dollars a the month. Postcards. I send you a postcard. Really and and I you know I I try and write something about my songs or hey I'm going to be back in your area and, and I hope to see you back there. To that personal touch. You know and and it's handwritten. You know yeah. I it's hand addressed and there. There are thirty some of them that I do Dude. every month, and it's a cramping experience. Last but I spend you know three or four hours at a table. Last month I did thank you cards for my Kickstarter fulfillment for one of the Kickstarters. I did and just and you're sitting there doing like hundred and fifty of these cards. Yep, by hand. It's nuts. It's their name and talking to each person. To make sure you don't word them the same. You know, it's, it's all it's it's it matters. It really right. matters. But the base the, heart. the base thing about my Patreon is I didn't want this huge stratification of well you're a better fan because you paid me more money. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. If you put in a dollar a month, okay, I would rather have a dollar a month from somebody who can afford it and really genuinely wants to support my stuff, yeah. right? A dollar a month, that's $12 a year. You literally get a copy of everything I put out. Nice. For a dollar a month. Right. And I, don't get me wrong. I wish I could give you more every month because I would love to say, I'm going to give you so much money. You don't need to worry about doing stuff. You can focus on making more music because I love your music. But you got to take care of you too. Yeah. You, and you're, that's where I'm going to stay. And, and, and I appreciate that. But, and the, the whole thing is that that's, that's the deal. I, and I, I want them to know. I want you to take care of yourself. I get it. I get I'm it. here to take care of me, uh, and I love that you want to take care of me and be part of that, and that's great. And this, it, we were, t- I was talking uh, with, uh, was it Cherie mm-hmm. earlier? And uh, she was like, you know, it would just be wonderful if, if you didn't have to be your, uh, a marketer. I'm like, yeah. She goes, like, back in the days when they had, when the king would just give you money and tell you to go create. And I said, well, they, they, there's that patronage. model. Patreon does that. Patronage is That's exactly what that model is. And you don't have to have a king. You just have to have, uh, you know, a bunch of people. You know, if you have 100 people willing to give you a dollar a month, that's $100 a month, mm-hmm. Right. Like I said, that, the aggregate is all that matters. When you get right down to it, you should get the love of so many people. And- I used to say at work back when I had a day job, I used to, you know, I would sit there and think about it. And you know the people you have at work who, if you needed a dollar to get a pop out of the pop machine or whatever, you'd say, can I, can I have a pop? Can I have can I borrow a dollar? So can I have a dollar? Do you mind if I have a dollar? I need to. Get, I need a pop. I'm just out, you know. And you think about it, and you realize that if you can get a hundred of them together, you got a hundred dollars. 
And and if there are a hundred people who are willing to give you a dollar every month at work for a pop, right? I mean, and they wouldn't think about it because the dollar's not that big a deal, right? So <laughs> you get a hundred dollars every month, and, and if you get what a dollar from each one of them every month and never mention it, that's twelve hundred dollars a year. <laughs> what a way to supplement your income. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a lot of pop. Right. <laughs> I think I think the Patreon the Patreon is great. It's it's a great yeah. model. It's, I it's support really cool. about five different people. I spend about thirty five dollars a month total. And I support artists too. Yeah. And I, I, I take a, things I support. I take yeah. a percentage of what I'm getting, and I automatically put it into other patron Patreon. I, I just because it feels like a good thing to do. Right. You know, well, I think I've only ever mentioned it like once, maybe. And then know. you you know like sometimes somebody's art moves you so much, and you're like like there's a dude named Ralph Covert um, who was the band leader of the Bad Examples in the 80s and he still does touring as Ralph Covert and the Bad Examples but he's got other stuff too but his songwriting fundamentally affected the way I write songs yeah and uh, and he teaches stuff on YouTube he has and they're free videos songwriting videos and he's uh, I mean he's not the be all end all on strong songwriting but his the way he writes uh, his hooks, his lyrics, his melodies, his chord structures, they inspire me. So I felt I really wanted to let him know, and so I've been a patron of his for a while, and, and, and friends and stuff like that. Yeah. So That's cool. And you, uh, we're boring people now, I think. No, I, I, I think it's fun to talk about. I mean, it's just, it's just being, yeah. <laughs> just, just talking. You know, we, we've, we've done that before where we just sit there and talk music, for example. Yes. Know? And I mean, I realize that my podcast listeners probably don't give a shit about that, but I can sit there and do it all day because it's yeah. something I'm passionate about. Yeah. And something, when you got when you got stuff in common, people, and you're talking a language, it's, geeks understand that. Yep. Because that's, that's part of what we do. It's part of this, part of this freaking event outside the door right now right it's just you know a thousand people that are just talking the same language i don't talk it by the way i, I don't speak much anime <laughs> anime is a different animal to me but but we've gotten so much love out of it people really responded to us well here and uh, yeah you know and, and of course my wife's selling the tea like crazy which is nice that is good so you know it, it turned out to be good and we got to hang out with you yeah. Lots of costumes. Lots of costumes. So uh, you about done for this weekend? You got another show coming? I got one more show at 4 o'clock, and then I start the long drive home, um, which I would something. stay over except that it's an 11-hour drive. Yeah. And uh, I have game night tomorrow. So uh, okay. my game night tomorrow at 6 Eastern, and so I'm going to be home by 6 Eastern tomorrow. And then uh, do some prepping and stuff too, bro. Uh, oh, uh, I've been doing it on my downtime <laughs> I would sit at my table and I had my computer open and I'm making notes about Monday night's game. Gosh, I wish I had time for that. <laughs> and, uh, and sure, I was probably... And, and, and I was trying not to get annoyed because people would come up to talk to me and I'm like, no, this is, no, this yeah. is the work, right? Yeah. And I'm like, but man, I'm right in the middle of this <laughs> thought. <laughs> now, this is something my listeners can connect to. <laughs> well, Mikey, I appreciate you stopping and talking to me. Thanks, thanks for having me. And uh, God, I can't wait till tsunami comes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to making a long drive back to Wichita again. But uh, you gonna bring anybody with you this time? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. Uh, trying to get people to come with you to conventions. You know, <laughs> they don't expect it to be the work that it is. When you yeah. work a convention, you work a convention, yeah. and they expect a lot of people that I hang out with think that when I go to a convention that it's all walking around and drinking and hanging out with people. And well, some of it at our convention is sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes to be fair, you're helping us put you to work though. Sometimes <laughs> that's part 
of the job. You yeah. know, sometimes being the party is part of the job, but the reality is that I'm, you know, busting my hump, setting up gear for mm-hmm. uh, programs and paneling, uh, making sure that I eat regularly, making sure that I stay hydrated, making sure my voice is okay to sing. And there's driving a booth and trying to sell merch and stuff. Right, and slime. then manning a booth, and, and they don't want to come, because if they come, I'm like, well, I have sit at, sit at the booth. Yeah, you, you, I, I got to do a panel. You, do. you run the back, you, you run the booth. <laughs> Uh, well, how old your boy now? Huh? How old your boy now? Fourteen. My youngest is fourteen. So he could do it. My uh, my oldest <laughs> just turned twenty-two. The one in the navy. I was going to say he's not around, so he's uh, can't do that. Yeah, I wouldn't put Jack at the booth. He wouldn't care. He'd be on his phone. <laughs> Whatever. Nothing turns somebody off stuff. more than uh, you know. You want people to come approach your booth. If you're a vendor at a booth, let me tell you this: <laughs> <laughs> stand up, smile, and look at people. Say hi. Don't try and sell your stuff. Just say hi. Talk. Make conversation. Engage. If you sit and look at your phone, despite the fact that it is the most normal thing in the world to do, you're losing money. Yeah. And I hate to be that guy because I just talked about my feelings on marketing. (laughs) But if you're working a con and you are vending a con, you really need to be concerned about marketing. Yeah. Um, and you're your sales force. And if if you would be turned off walking into a store by a clerk being on their phone and being unresponsive to you, then you shouldn't do it at your booth at a con. That's damn straight. So, and, you know, like, hell, what do I know? <laughs> you know, but seriously. No. There's a the, um, Dungeonware shirts. I've bought four or five Dungeonware shirts. And the guy who runs Dungeonware, I don't. I don't know his name. Um, and he is kind of cheesy sales guy, but he's fun about it. And he's yeah. funny and he's a carnival barker and his product is great. And uh, I mean, the combo right there. And it's all just this, he's this magnificent artist who sells art prints and um, and shirts with the art on it, you know. And, and he's simply making these bad jokes consistently. And you'll walk past, you'll hear him making the same bad jokes to everybody. Nice. And it's fine. It's yeah. fine because he does not to, but you know what? He moves product simply because that's his job. Yeah. He's there to sell you, you know, he's done the art stuff. He's done the production. When he's at a con, he's there to sell yep. shirts and, or, or prints. And I've seen him, I don't know, probably uh, four of the last five times I've seen him, I bought something. The last time he just didn't have something new that I wanted. There you go. Um, but, you know, Disco Cthulhu, I bought kittens and I, uh, kitten ice cream. I bought, <laughs> I bought surf and werewolf. I bought art prints for my friends, hipster pterodactyl and uh, rockabilly werewolf. Wolf prints for my friends. I bought nice. prints for my wife. And Dungeon Wears, uh, it, the, I just love the shirts. And and he still, to this day, because I bought his very last extra large Surf and Werewolf shirt, which was his last Surf and Werewolf shirt. And he still, every time he sees me, says, Surf and Werewolf. Nice. Every time. <laughs> every time. And uh, I'm like, yeah, man, yeah. And it's, it's good to be noticed. And he really puts in the effort. I've never seen him. I've seen him look away from the aisle to sneak his head behind a sign so he could take a bite of something and then put it down, chew, swallow quick, and get back to work. Um, what did I say yesterday about getting a pretzel for Johnny and it took like two hours to start eating it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I've got no skin in, in Dungeonware's game, right, right. But, uh, but I like his shirts, and nice. I love his work ethic. Um, nice. So, 
Uh, and he he is cheesy, but it's 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 the good kind of cheesy. Is what it is. And I, I wish I had one of those people to sell my stuff at cons. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm actually impressed. My batteries lasted this long. All right. Well, let's stop before it dies, and then you yeah. lose everything. Right in the middle of right in the middle of saying something. So I, I don't think I'd lose everything. I think it would just stop right there. Yeah. It's been great to be. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait for Tsunami Con. I'll see you guys. Yeah, there. come come see Mikey at uh, Tsunami Con 2019, October 18th to 20th. We'll be there. You'll be there too. Come see us. Woo! Woo!